816 and K-Fire Clay and Buck after 11, but first Clay and Mike, how are you guys? Good. 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 Not the same Clay, by the way, folks, in case you're wondering. Wow, you got, <laughs> you actually get Clay? I got Clay. I think Clay's on with me every, uh, every Friday here with guns in the 701. Yeah. So I, I guess the Second Amendment is going to begin to just not mean a thing. 20 attorneys general look at a ban selling ammo to civilians from Lake City, huh? Well, one of the things about that yeah. is, is our favorite friend, Letitia James from New York, uh, seems to be headlining this. Uh, these, uh, uh, I guess you would say, attorney generals. Uh, and as a matter of fact, uh, they want to ban the uh, the five uh, five five six uh, because it is the military grade, and it's <laughs> just one of those more talking points. You know, it's a smaller bullet than the three oh three oh eight, and that used to be the standard bullet for the military, but until the Vietnam War. But, you know, it, it was smaller and it was easier to carry. Uh, but it, it, it just comes right down to it where they constantly are trying to do backdoor policies to if they can't take away guns, they're going to try to take away ammo. And that's what it all breaks down to. Of course, they want a public discourse on this and to see about stopping uh, companies from selling uh, things, of course, to uh, the civilians. And uh, it's just one of those end arounds where they're basically trying to uh, take away your rights through a backdoor policy. Yeah, and I'm happy to say that North and South Dakota, Wyoming, none of those states are included in these 20 uh, attorney generals that have filed this. Remember, they created the Office of Gun Violence Prevention here, I don't know, about six, seven months ago, another crazy thing from the uh, Biden administration. And, of course, that's who they're appealing to, who is Stephanie Feldman. She's the director, another rabid anti-gunner thing is when when they go and send this letter and they say things they don't understand what they're saying of course they ask the office to conduct an investigation in the contracting processes that led to the situation you know they think there's a situation and to take action to ensure that military grade and military subsidized ammunition stays out of civilian hands well we're the taxpayers we pay for that so essentially we already own it in my opinion but they use these words, these code words, military grade, military ammunition, to basically scare a person who really don't know what, what this is. Lake City ammunition has been around forever. Um, and, yeah, they sell the surplus to the civilian market, you and me, and they not, it's not just 5.56. It's 30-odd-6. It is 308. They produce a lot of ammo there in a lot of different calibers. 5.56 just happens to be one of them that happens to go into the AR platform on, on the small receivers. So this isn't new. They've been doing it for decades. Literally, Lake City has been around for decades and been a big part of the civilian marksmanship program as well, which we don't want to give them that hint if they don't know about it. So this is just, an, this is just another way to try to control the ammo supply, just like they did with firearms when they banned firearms recently from being sold to Israel we've sold to forever but yet we're going to drop them for free over in the ukraine it just everything they do is to impede the second amendment right here oh man guns with the 701 here on k-fire so from time to time you see it on the cable news channels and stuff you see the flash mob robbing well uh one jewelry <laughs> store worker was able to fight back what happened there well, over in Oakland, California, uh, a guy was, uh, he noticed a car parking the wrong direction on the road. Uh, two guys getting out, putting on ski masks in California. 
uh, that, I'm sure they're they were on their way to uh, some sort of uh, skiing uh, festival. Yeah, probably it was pretty but, uh, cold no, there they, that day, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, they weren't. They they came running in and they says, uh, you know, don't move or we'll shoot. Well, he decided, you know what? I'm not taking a chance. He shot back with his own legally owned pistol and and uh, ran them off. Uh, a couple of them actually uh, did get hit. Uh, the uh, the perpetrators did get hit, uh, and then one of the the third. Uh, 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 guy, the uh, dr- getaway driver, actually ran into one of his compadres. Uh, that was that was probably a smart move on his part too. Um, <laughs> that would have been funny. To so watch. <laughs> uh, the, the best part about it is, is that the police's response was, you know what, you did the right thing, uh, and if they come back again and try the same thing, well, then just defend yourself because uh, you know what, you're doing the right thing. So that's what we need to hear. We need to hear that you know what, we don't have to be victims. Uh, we can defend ourselves, and that's what we should do. Oh, absolutely. And, and surprisingly, this comes out of California. Now, remember, the, the guy who, who did this and actually defended himself talked about how they had extended magazines uh, in, in the Glock and even had a drum magazine in the other firearm. Remember, California has already banned those. You can't have a, quote, high-capacity magazine in California. Huh. I bet you're not supposed to even have, uh, probably I'm guessing it was an AR. I, I didn't really get that far into the story, but I would imagine that he had maybe an AR or something like that possibly too, and I bet uh, they're, they're illegal as far as I know in California as well. So, I mean, when you look at everything that they've passed out there, their utopia, quote, gun rules, guess what? They're not working. The, the criminals don't follow the law, hence the why they're a criminal. So, Good for these guys. Good for the Oakland police, though, that they recognized this and said, yeah, we're not going to cite this guy. We're not going to arrest this guy. They did take his firearm until the investigation is over. And by the way, that would even happen here. If you get into a situation here of self-defense and you have to pull your uh, concealed carry firearm and you actually have to shoot it, hit or kill somebody, you're going to be investigated regardless and they're going to take that firearm until that's done. But that's that's pretty much standard procedure right now. Well, bring on the investigation. I mean, that's fine. But in this case, I mean, this was clearly somebody defending their store. Oh, absolutely. And But you're right about California being kind of a surprise that, you know, this sounds like something that might happen in Texas or something like that where they <laughs> praise the uh, owner of the store. California, you'd kind of expect them to arrest him and charge them with a crime cool. so that's that is a bit of a shocker and you figure oklahoma i mean oklahoma excuse me oakland has been a pretty yeah. uh, battle zone for quite a while and you know what the police yeah like you said it's big kudos to them for uh, for seeing a legal gun owner and he watched he, that guy had to go through a lot of hoops in california to be a legal gun owner for his own store oh yeah uh, and uh, you know you know keeping basically putting a signal out there that's like you know what he's not going to be a victim I wonder how long before they all have bulletproof glass in their jewelry stores so that people can't smash and grab. Well, I had uh, when I was over in Britain years ago. Uh, they have uh, a lot of different places that uh, cater in, in a lot of money, uh, especially uh, gambling uh, uh, establishments. They have uh, legal gambling over there. Is uh, they have uh, not only the bulletproof glass of uh, the doors that uh, will shut down so that you can't get in or out. Uh, but also um, uh, retaining walls that pop up between the tellers and in, and uh, and the uh, the would be uh, shooters. 
uh, basically to keep them in there until the police come and get them. And, you know, that, it seems to work. But, yeah, it, it's, it's only a matter of time before we get back to, it's like the Detroit days going to a gas station where, you know, the guy's encased in glass in there and it's impossible to even hear him. But, yeah. I, I, I remember watching a video not too long ago at a cell phone store where Robert came in and they managed to get out a back door and lock him in. Gates came down, yeah. and so he's you know shaking the whole thing, hoping to get out. And nope. So yeah, I mean that's that's always fun <laughs> to see those guys have to uh, you know get what they uh, have coming to them. You'd always want to have a thought bubble above them at that time, so you could see what they were thinking when they're locked in. They're like, oh, I think I made some bad choices. <laughs> Pop up video, just like the old uh, yeah. VH1 days. Exactly. <laughs> it's funny. I wasn't planning on mentioning VH1 in any context today, let alone during Guns in the 701, but more proof anything can be weaved into any conversation if you do it just right. Here we are. Mike and Clay, more with them coming up. It's Guns in the 701. More on the way here on K Fire. 841 at K-Fire at Dakota Talk after 9. Senator John Hoven, Scott Bachmeyer, and more do up with Michael Bell. Clay and Buck after 11, but Clay and Mike first. <laughs> Guns in the 701. <laughs> Gentlemen. Yeah. We just don't get paid as good as Clay and Buck. Nah, probably not. <laughs> probably not. No. <clears throat> Who the heck does? But uh, oh, well. hey, I got to throw something out here quick. Tom, yeah. Though I keep getting questions about this, and yes, everybody, we did draw for the gun an AR-10. It was a Noreen thirty odd six for the Farm Bureau raffle that was going on in Grant and Sioux County. So we do have a winner. I'll just say congratulations to Yvonne, and we did that New Year's Eve night. So just so everybody knows, yes, we did have a winner, and and we thank everybody for participating. Well, speaking of ARs, you, you know, if you if you want to uh, make an AR and you live in Chicago, uh, it's no wonder this guy ended up in Wyoming to do it. <laughs> yeah, I found this. Uh, it was an interesting story, so I thought, ah, got to talk about this. I mean, the guy escaped Illinois, Chicago in particular, so you got you got to just love that. He moved out to Wyoming about 21 years ago. And uh, basically, he just loved it out there because you can hunt, there's freedom, it's business friendly. And he uh, based his company out of Cody, Wyoming. Bighorn Armory, guys, they are making the AR-500. They, they claim it's the most powerful semi-automatic AR cartridge on the market. They call it the 500 Auto Max cartridge. And it has a half-inch diameter bullet. So think about that. you got a half-inch chunk of lead being fired out of a pretty big rifle. I think that sounds like just a lot of fun to me. <laughs> and well, Clay, I, I know what I want from my Christmas list, then. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Maybe we need to maybe we need to talk to these guys. Maybe we need a new sponsor with the show, right? There you go. <laughs> there you go. But, I mean, when you think about a bison, you can use this on, on buffalo. For, for most of us, we still call them buffalo out here. And it'll punch right through them. So that's a, lot of, that's a lot of energy and a lot of velocity leaving that barrel and doing the job because a buffalo is not an easy creature to take down. But, yeah, he left Chicago. He got out of there, moved out to Wyoming. And uh, basically this opportunity come up because he was talking with a neighbor of his, and he'd had a 500 Smith & Wesson. If you've never shot the, the 500 Smith & Wesson, guys, I highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of power there. but it, it's, a, it's literally a blast to shoot. <laughs> and they said, hey, 
we should just make an action, a lever action rifle chamber for that, for the Smith and Wesson. And that's not uncommon. There's a lot of lever action guns that are chambered in pistol cartridges. The 45 Colt comes to mind right off the top of my head. And now Henry's also doing a 357 and a 44 Magnum. So this isn't uncommon. You can find them all over now. Uh, he founded the company Bighorn Armory in 2007, and they started making their first lever-action uh, rifles. And then a couple years later, uh, basically they decided, you know what, maybe, just maybe, we ought to move into something else. And that's when they kind of come up with the idea for this, a, this 500 Auto Max. And basically, it's a, it's a well-built gun. It's going to be able to be used anywhere on anything. It's got a longer barrel, of course, so you're pushing that 50 caliber bullet out there. You're, you're getting most of the energy that's coming out of that and putting it right into that cartridge. That's what's great about it. And when you shoot from a pistol, you got a short travel distance. There's even a little jump usually before it hits the barrel coming out of the cylinder or even out of the action, and you're losing a lot there. So this is great to see this. It comes out and it's going to do the job. Uh, they're basically finding a lot of people are taking it to Alaska with them. That would make sense. you got grizzly bears and moose, and it's going to stop them dead in their tracks. And I, Do you want to add anything to this, Mike? Well, I'll tell you what. It's, it's one of those things where it is tailored toward, like you said, the, the big, big game, and you've got to make sure – you know, you can't go up into Alaska with a 22 and expect to, to do well. So, yeah, you want to make sure you have exactly what you need and, of course, the right tool. And it sounds like the right tool for the, that type of thing. Well, if you're going to oh, drive yeah, into I, Canada with that assault weapon, uh, well, don't you better hope that Prime Minister Trudeau doesn't find you because they're <laughs> on the fourth anniversary of their confiscation slash buyback program i guess if you have a bunch of spare ones you could sell them and make some money but eh. <laughs> don't get they can't have any there, right? i mean this ain't the first time canada has been restricting firearms uh, you, you always had to buy what they call a non-resident firearms license and i believe the last time i knew of anyone that went up there you had to check it at the border they take it you know from its case and then they'll ship it or get it to your place of, of destination where you're going hunting and then you can have it and then it's the same thing so that's always been a hassle and anyway as far especially for someone crossing the border but yeah Trudeau he's uh you know when he ran he said nope I'm not going to take any guns I don't want to do that it, I mean he ran on that and of course like uh, any liberal politician he lied to try and get the votes and this was just a just another thing about that and they come up with their buyback program they call it the fire buyback program the fbp and they did it <laughs> here it comes they did it because it was going to be for the safety of the canadian people their budget guys 5.4 million dollars with 24 employees to try and implement this now this was supposed to go into effect really hard between the period of 2020 and 2023 was supposed to go into effect and it really didn't they ended up they weren't getting a lot of cooperation. A lot of the municipalities and provinces says, nope, we're not using our resources. So then they went looking for private contractors to do the job. doesn't say whether they got any takers on that for bids, but nonetheless, they weren't able to implement it. So they extended it out to December, and I believe it's uh, January 7th or something uh, right now in 2024, and it's also going to be now extended to put in Phase 1 till 2025, so they know they have a problem here. And 
I've always had this, this, I don't know, you look at government when they say, oh, it's a buyback. How can you buy back something that you've never owned? The government right. don't own our firearms. The government don't own the Canadians' firearms. They bought them, legally purchased them, and legally possessed them. And they want to buy them now back. The government wants to do it. Now they want to buy them back. It just The buyback term is just crazy to me. Um, what do you think, Mike? I, I kind of... I, well, I think a lot of times that... The buyback program is is geared towards a. Let, why don't you take your grandpa's, uh, you know, rifle or whatever like that when he's not looking and go sell it so that he can be safe. That's the that's the way I always think it is. They're looking for the liberal members of the family, and uh, you know they're talking about not just destroying it, but they're talking about uh, major minor components, of course, rendered inoperable and no spare parts salvageable. So reusable or resellable. So they're talking about complete destruction. And we've seen this before. And I, I do like that they, uh, they have pieced together uh, this with uh, the help of uh, some of the members of government of New Zealand. Because when I think about yeah, I government, I think about New Zealand. Um, uh, because they have had a, such a wonderful thing with their uh, gun buyback program as well. And, you know, even on a small uh, thing. Uh, basically, the provinces, you're right. The provinces said, no, we don't want to do this. We're not sending our officers out to uh, to put themselves in danger to have uh, citizens, of course, take guns from citizens that are legal. I mean, take guns away from criminals. That's what the job of the law enforcement is, not to take it from us legal citizens and, of course, and Canadian citizens as well. So it just, it just boils right down to is just, like you said in our, on earlier stories, backdoor programs in order to sound like we're protecting the citizens, but we're really making us less safe. Well, plus if you uh, start sending, if you start sending local officers out, you may end up encountering <laughs> that mad, mad person that will tell you to go to hell and may even shoot at you. Hopefully, miss. But, well, I mean, why why put start, them in that situation where they could be in danger? I mean, why even go there? Absolutely. And when you start doing that and, uh, you know, when you're overreaching, overbearing federal central government does this and then wants the little guys out here doing it all the way down to probably our local sheriffs, you know, you, you can see that here. That's when you force really good guys to do bad things because there comes a tipping point where you're just not going to put up with it anymore. And luckily here we have the Second Amendment. And you want to look at a what do you want to call a public discourse on this? Illinois, they had their assault weapons ban go into effect after a bunch of court cases, which are still moving through the court system. But hardly anybody, I think the last estimate I've seen was 1% of people actually complied with that in Illinois. So I think that's funny. Non-compliance is the biggest uh, biggest statement. You can and the make. gun they pulled off the street was one that probably wasn't getting used in the first place. So what have they accomplished? <laughs> But exactly. and and we can look exactly. to the north and see what they did to the trucking industry a while back and uh, and realize that thing. yeah okay and, and from what I hear and and you correct me if I'm wrong guys but I mean isn't the the whole anti gun thing more of an Eastern Canada versus the West the West tends to be a little bit more conservative the East a little bit more liberal isn't that kind of what's going on how I took that when I was except for Vancouver maybe I suppose but you know <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's more of an east-west well, thing, just kind of like our state, isn't it? Yeah, it mirrors <laughs> the United States. Although I yeah. guess I haven't been but, to the Calgary Stampede, and I don't know. Maybe it's uh, no. maybe it's full of rainbows maybe. and unicorns and stuff. I have no idea. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows? And now I've been disinvited from Canada.
for that. The 701. You're still doing the uh, stuff on Wednesday nights, right? Yep, absolutely. Wednesday night, six o'clock p.m. on the Mountain Standard Time. Of course, you got seven o'clock Central. Uh, Mike and myself and Vance are taking. We've taken that over. But Jamie launched a new little segment with Guns and Seven Hundred One called Seven Hundred One Nation, and that's uh, we. He did his first episode last night at seven Central, and I don't know what his plans are for the next one, but we will keep you tuned. Of course, you can find us at our website, gunsandseven and every single Friday, right here on K Fire, best podcast on iHeart, and we love being on Todd, so we appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, they thank wanted you, me to support a podcast, and I can't think of a better one than Guns in the 701, so thank you guys. We'll talk to you next uh, Friday if I don't happen to talk to you before. See you later. Well, good. Thanks. Have a great week. All right. You too. You too. 877-867-1670.